1: Now, with just 10 days to go until the Legislative Council election, Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam has urged voters to cast their ballots. This will be the first co election under a revamped system, which only allows those who are deemed to be patriots to run for election. With this in mind, what are the expectations for voter turnout? Well, to find out more, we're joined now by Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent at The Straits Times. Claire, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having
0: me, as usual.
1: Okay. OK, Claire, so before we get into the election, let's start with Hong Kong's media mogul, Jimmy Lai, who, along with two other prominent activists, have been found guilty for taking part in a vigil to mock the Tiananmen massacre. Can you share the details with us?
0: Yeah, so we have Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai, who's uh, been in jail, uh, you know, and activist Chow Hang Tong, as well as Gwyneth Ho. Uh, activist Gwyneth Ho. Um, Chow is the, you know, a member of one of the leaders of the now defunct um, Hong Kong Alliance group. Um, they were the ones who, uh, you know, uh, used to organize the annual um, Tiananmen, uh, the June 4th candlelight vigil. So basically, all three of them. Uh, have been found guilty uh, of charges related to this banned vigil last year. So in delivering the verdict, um, Judge Amanda Woodcock had said that Lai had attended a press conference outside Victoria Park in the evening on June 4th, right, along with members of the Hong Kong Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, And the court heard that Lai's presence was a deliberate act rally support for the illegal gathering. And the judge added that Chow, the vice then uh, vice chairwoman of the Alliance, had written a post on her Facebook page um, with, I quote, an implicit intention of asking people to join her in Victoria Park, unquote. So 21 other co-defendants in this case had earlier pleaded guilty. Um, the judge had also issued uh, an arrest warrant for two other suspects, Nathan Law, well, and uh, Sunny Chong, who um, obviously is going to turn up for the court proceedings because they're overseas, they're fled overseas.
1: Okay, Claire, lots of action there. And in other news, let's talk about what's happening with the election. I mean, there have been a number of changes over the past few years. Can you walk us through the process of how Hong Kong elects its government now?
0: Well, Hong Kong's Legislative Council, or Legco as it's known, right, existed under British rule already, um, and at that time members were appointed, and you know the number of members grew from a handful, and then the system evolved into one where there were more members either through appointment or election. Uh, it took more than 150 years for LegCo under British rule to turn fully elected. Now, elections for the first LegCo under Chinese rule was in 1998. This was a year after the handover in ninety seven. Back then, there were 16 members in total, 20 from um, geographical constituencies through um, direct elections, and then you've got 10 from election committees, 30 from functional constituencies. Then, obviously, it changed. Right. So um, before the electoral system revamp in May this year, uh, that was triggered in part by the 2019 unrest, the Hong Kong uh, Hong Kong's Parliament comprised 70 seats, half geographical constituencies and half functional constituencies. Functional constituencies are, you know, trades, professions, and things like that. So the geographical constituencies also included the five super seats from district councils. Uh, dominated of late by the bo- by the opposition, but now the seventh call, which is you know the the race uh, on December nineteenth, when you have the legislative election for the seventh call will have ninety seats. Forty will be picked by the powerful thousand five hundred strong mm-hmm. election committee. Thirty will be from functional constituencies, and the remaining twenty uh, will be from geographical constituencies. Uh, these twenty seats are filled through direct election, but this year. The main opposition parties are not fielding
1: anyone. Okay, Claire. But with main opposition parties staying out of the poll, is there a sense of interest among Legco voters then?
0: Well, the average voter turnout throughout the uh, six elections hovers. at about at about 51 percent, mm-hmm. political observers noted that typically is about 40 percent. So the average went up in 2016 because basically the voter turnout hit a high of 58 percent because uh, uh, you know uh, there was a lot of support for the opposition. So there was momentum there. Uh, And uh, basically everyone agrees this time round that it is quite unlikely. So, um, you know, because the the turnout peaked in 2016 and coincided with the rise of the opposition, uh, which then reflects the fact that voters paid more attention to Hong Kong's political elections when the opposition was strong this time round. With only a dozen candidates or so who say they are non-establishment, okay. observers have said that if 30% of the 4.5 million registered voters turn out, it's considered very good. So the problem, the issue about voter turnout ties with, uh, you know, legitimacy of the Legico and there's been a lot of emphasis on this. Um, in fact, there were a lot of calls on social media to cast blank votes and arrests have been made in this aspect. Officials have repeatedly warned that doing so is a breach of the national security law. In fact, the Hong Kong government wrote in to warn the Wall Street Journal after it published an editorial uh, that said that casting blank ballots in the election is one of the last ways Hong Kongers can voice dissent. Um, I understand that there are people who will choose instead not to head to the polls as a signal to the government.
1: Okay, Claire, but what are some of the key concerns for voters who are heading into this election?
0: Well, there are people who don't even know when polling day is. Mm. That's how much they can be bothered with this election so bread and butter issues always dominate elections right? but i think this one in particular given that it's in a pandemic that has no signs of abating people just want to maintain their livelihoods stuff. they just want normalcy
1: this podcast is available on our audio app
0: that's a w-e-d-i-o like us and rate us and now back to our podcast episode
1: we're speaking with Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for the Straits Times. So, Claire, how are candidates then canvassing voters? If some voters don't even know when polling day is, what's it like on the ground there?
0: So, Rach, usually what the candidates do is they set up booths mm-hmm. island wide. You know, they have been, so social media is one way to get to, get through to your voters, right? So that's what they've been doing as well, you know. And then um, some go online to answer questions and so on. You see a lot of banners, posters, leaflets, uh, but um, uh, I'm afraid people generally don't really pay as much attention to it as I think um, the candidates want.
1: So with that in mind then, Claire, which parties are expected to perform well in the election?
0: Just to give a bit of a background, there mm-hmm. are 90 seats in Parliament. You've got 153 candidates. Um, I'm going to exclude the 40 to be selected by the election committee because the candidates, uh, you know, and there are 51 of them, will be selected, right, by the committee. So over in the functional constituencies, you 67 candidates fighting for 30 seats. In the geographical constituencies, there are 20 seats and that's direct election. You have 35 candidates. Um, the pro-establishment parties uh, really just mean um, DAB and FTU. So this is a race within the establishment folk. Um, and even then, it is hard to say uh, which party will perform well, which of the pro-establishment party will perform well, because the the race has been, the electoral system has been revamped into a framework where it is so fragmented now. The revamp has made it such that no one party or group or body can dominate. And that's the whole idea, because in recent years, the the opposition dominated.
1: Okay, Claire. So lastly, before we let you go, just shifting gear for a moment, the government's also announced a ban on unvaccinated citizens from entering restaurants, cinemas and gyms, amongst other things. Under what circumstances might this be enforced?
0: The government said on Tuesday the possible extension of the vaccine bubble, that's what they call this, uh, depends on the development of the pandemic. So unvaccinated people may be banned if the situation A, warrants a significant increase in the uh, vaccination numbers, or B, ensures that the risk levels faced by Hong Kong and mainland are on par. This is to keep the basic conditions for quarantine free travel because they want to reopen the borders, right? Just to give you an idea of where this might go. In November, mm-hmm. the government extended the use of the Leave Home Safe app to all government buildings and from today this app, uh, the use of this app is extended to restaurants, gyms, cinemas, theme parks, other places and for the food and beverage sector right, there used to be four categories but there are now only three. This is because the government has done away with the category that allows patrons to not uh leave any of their contact details because you need to do contact tracing, right? So the government is basically in a sense pushing them into category b where you have to at least use the app or you know scribble on a piece of paper your contact and um, these eateries can open till 11 p.m given the way things have been going it seems like it's probably a matter of time before Mm. the government bans those unvaccinated
1: i see well claire thank you so much for those updates for us today thank you very much for having me on the show thank you we've been speaking with claire huang hong kong correspondent